Good morning. I've been to church. How about you? Praise the Lord. I hope we believe that enough to do it. You know, isn't it amazing sometimes how much of the stuff we sing, we just sing, but we don't really practice? I, I give the Lord thanks for a good word in song. Thank you, Don, and all of your team that's been a part of that. Well, in case um, some of you weren't here when I was here a couple of weeks ago, my name is Phil Rogers. I'm a retired pastor, pastored a little, in a little town in Middletown, Indiana. Um, I, I retired back in January, and then since that time had been working as a full-time hospice chaplain. It's an amazing area of ministry for me. I, um, I am so grateful to have the opportunity to be walking alongside of people at one of the most challenging, difficult times of their life. And it's truly a, a ministry that touches the lives of people often who have very little spiritual background. And, uh, and, and every day is something new, something fresh, something different. Uh, on September the 9th, it was about 4.15 in the afternoon, though, I received a telephone call. It was from an 812 area code, area code. It said it was Chicago, Illinois. I said, well, it's a robocall. I'm just sure of that. Just about did not answer it, but I said, well, just in case. I'll go ahead and answer. I can always hang up on them, you know. So I answered, and uh, lo and behold, it was Dr. Larry McCain. He's your district superintendent, and he was calling to ask me a question. What would, what would Larry McCain be wanting me for, I wondered. I knew him when he was up in Lansing and uh, have had a few times to communicate with him. He says, well, I'd, I'd like to ask you if you'd be willing to consider um, becoming an interim pastor for the Kankakee First Church of the Nazarene. And I said, what? <laughs> what? Have you lost your mind? <laughs> Don't you know who I am? Don't you know where I live? Don't you know what I'm doing? Um, well, um, uh, he went on to tell me a little bit. Of course, I've known a little bit of Pastor Andrew's story. Pastor uh, Andrew uh, was one of my boys. He grew up in my church. I've had the privilege of serving pastor to him and his family for many years. And so I knew a little bit what was happening with that. And he says, uh, Pastor Andrew's needing to take a, a leave of absence. And I would like to uh, present your name to the church board this evening as a possible person to serve as an interim pastor. And I thought, ugh. <laughs> is that really something that I ought to be doing? You see, I, I work 40 hours a week, and I live more than three hours away. Um, and I'm, I'm still getting used to the idea of this new rhythm of life where I have a job. You know, we, I'm used to that old thing, you know, where weekends were different. And so I thought, if I do this, I work all week long, and then I have my whole weekend. No, Lord, I don't really want to do this. But I went ahead and I said, well, you just go ahead and talk to them. Let them know who, you're, who they're really getting, and surely they'll come up with a better idea than that. And um, so I, um, I, I then began to have quite a little conversation with the Lord. And basically the conversation sounded an awful lot like Moses. Lord, I don't really think I want to do this. Okay, um, there are many reasons. First of all, I've got a job that takes just about everything out of me. By the time that I get to the end of the week, I'm shot. And, uh, I, I, and, and after all, Kankakee is three hours away from here. I, do I, do I want to be traveling six hours over my weekend to do that? And, and, then, and, and Lord, don't you know the situation that they're dealing with there? That's just going to be a really 
has the potential of really being a really tough situation. And, and Lord, you, 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 know, you know I'm not all that. <laughs> you know, I'm just a little, a little almost a country preacher, you know. And, uh, and this is Kankakee, Illinois. This is where Olivet is. They've got all these professors and really sophisticated people there, and I'm not very sophisticated. And so I, 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 I just kind of talked to the Lord, and I said, Lord, uh, send somebody else. Does that sound familiar? Well, uh, I, I did tell Pastor McCain, or Dr. McCain, I says, go ahead and tell him about it if that's something wanted, because I'll at least consider. Well, he texted me later that night and said, yes, uh, they want you and Jack McCormick to work together doing all this. I said, why don't you just have Jack? Just send Jack. <laughs> okay. And, uh, and uh, no, no, it just kept going on. This is what they really think that they want and what I need. And, and Larry McCain says, I think that's what you should do. And I talked to Renee, uh, Andrew's mom, and all I'm thinking, yeah, I think this is what the Lord wants you to do. I said, really? Well, I'll tell you a part of the thing that happened. You see, when I retired, uh, the Lord had laid a, a series of messages on my heart. The, the title of the series of messages is not very inspiring, but it's, it really is at the core of what I've come to experience myself and what I think a message we need to hear. The, the series is called Holiness Through Brokenness. And um, that series has become such a passion in my heart that the Lord has said, I need to sh- I, you need to share this, this series. And so I, um, I uh, kind of put it together. So I thought, well, if they call me, I'll do that. But the Lord basically, he said, this is the message I believe God wants to be shared with Kanky First Church of the Nazarene. And so I'm here, not because I want to be here, but because God's called me, okay? And, and because God calls me, I want to be here. And you have been so gracious. I can't believe how many people have said to me, I, I can't believe they really mean it, but they say it, we're so glad you're here. And uh, thank you for being so, so gracious to me. I want to tell you a secret. Maybe some of you don't know this. Did you know that you are in a holiness church? Now, we don't, we don't, we don't promote that very much out there anymore, you know, because that word holiness carries with it so many different messages that, that we're almost embarrassed to let anybody know that we're a holiness denomination. But, but that's what we are. And, and honestly, if we really understand what that whole message of holiness is, we don't need to apologize one bit. Because I'll tell you what, what this world needs is holiness. Okay? And I, I really do believe that, that the great need of the church is holiness. What my great need, what your great need as a person is to be holy. But, but it, could it be that the reason that we're so confused by it and maybe almost embarrassed by it, apologetic to call ourselves holiness people is because it's so misunderstood. It's, a, it's amazing how we let many of our words within the church get defined for us by those outside the church and not by the scriptures themselves. Because when many people hear the word idea that we are a holiness people, they think of people who dress in a certain way, who have a whole bunch of rules, who, uh, who are eccentric in some ways, weird maybe we would call them. Certainly not something to be desired. 
But yet when we begin to read the scriptures, we find that the whole message of holiness is at the very core of what the Bible and the gospel is all about. Now, I think it may help us a little bit to have a little bit of a better sense of what the Bible teaches holiness is than maybe just going on the basis of what we've always thought. So, so I'd, I'd like to just read a passage, a couple of passages of Scripture, but then perhaps share a little bit of what I think the Lord and I've learned about what holiness is that will help us. There are two passages of Scripture um, that I'm going to read, and then I'm going to uh, tell you a little story about why they think is helpful to us to understand this. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 15, which I don't think is something that's going to be up in front of you, Peter made this statement. It reflects both the Old Testament, the teachings of Jesus, as well as the messages of the letters. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do, for it is written, be holy because I am holy. What is holy? Or what does it mean to say we have a holy God and we are to be a holy people? Maybe, maybe this little, uh, little story and explanation might help with you. I, some of you probably have done this. A few years back, my family took a trip to the Grand Canyon. I've got a picture of the Grand Canyon. I think you can see up here. You see that picture. This, this is a picture that's taken at the Grand Canyon from uh, what is called the South Rim. I, I stood in a place not very much different from this, and I got to look at the Grand Canyon. Now, first of all, I think all of you, how many of you have actually been there and seen the Grand Canyon? Okay. Do you all know, you know that it doesn't look like this. It looks well, so much more amazing than that, doesn't it? There's no way that a picture or words can describe the awesomeness of the Grand Canyon, okay? So just kind of realize that when you look at this picture, you're just getting a, a very limited view of what it really feels like and looks like when you look out over that canyon, you see the beauty and the awesomeness of it. But, but the other thing that I came to realize is that when I stood there and looked out at the Grand Canyon, I was not seeing all of the Grand Canyon. I was seeing just a little part of it. And, and there was no way for, for me and my limited perspective to have a view and understand the awesomeness of this canyon that was so much bigger and greater than I could ever imagine. And the beauty of it was beyond my ability to describe. That's a little bit of what we need to understand holiness really is and to think of God's holiness, that God's, God, who God is and what God is, is we can get a little picture in our mind and we sing about a little part of it, but when it really comes to talking about what it means to be holy, it is a greater concept than what we can comprehend. And... Just like the Grand Canyon, it is a beautiful, wonderful place. When we hear about holiness, that is something to be desired, something to want, because it's wonderful, it's beautiful, it's awesome. But it's also dangerous. I, I stood there at the rim, and I looked down over the edge, and I realized that 
it would be so easy to be destroyed by this place. All I would need to try to do is to step out and to go into it and so easily it would kill me. And that's a little bit about to understand holiness. It's a dangerous idea as well because it is so far beyond our ability to really be able to perceive and conceive. Remember that story in Isaiah chapter 6? When Isaiah was standing in the temple and he had the vision of the Lord high upon his throne. And he saw the seraphim and all of those that were there. And then he heard them singing the words, Holy, holy, holy. And Isaiah's response was, Woe is me. I am undone. You see, the reality is is that holiness is both beautiful, awesome, inconceivable, incomprehensible, and it's also dangerous. Yet that's what God calls us to. There are some other aspects of holiness that the Bible teaches that sometimes we miss. And that is holiness is also a very practical reality that God wants us to experience in our lives. And this next passage of Scripture I want to read to you, I believe helps us to see this in a number of ways. This is in Hebrews chapter 12. The writer to the Hebrews is writing in a section of Hebrews in which he is giving practical advice to how the church should live. He's not talking in deep theological concepts nearly as much as he is saying, this is how God's people, people who are connected with the whole message of the gospel, are to be living out their lives. Okay? And this is what he says. Make every effort to live at peace, in peace with everyone, and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. It's amazing how much, how much effort we put into getting around that little passage right there. You know, he doesn't really mean that, does he? Okay. It's said more than once in the Bible, by the way. See to it. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. See that no one is sexually immoral or is godless like Esau, so who for a single meal sold his inheritance rights as the oldest son. Afterward, as you know, when he wanted to inherit this blessing, he was rejected. Even though he sought the blessing with tears, he could not change what he had done. Now, I'm not going to try to take time to unpack all that passage of Scripture. What I I want you to just notice here is that the idea of holiness is wrapped within a very practical living out of the Christian life. Okay, follow peace with all men. Don't be immoral. Don't let bitter things grow up within you. And by the way, be holy! Okay, (laughs) do you realize here that 
that the Scriptures do not, does not treat, treat the idea that we as Christians are called to be a holy people as just a suggestion. It's a command. It's an expectation. Oh, how this world needs a holy people. And oh, how the church needs to be a holy people. Not just, not just because it's a good idea, because it's a necessity. It's a command. One of the things I think it's important to understand is that the Scriptures not only teach us that holiness is something that is beyond our ability to comprehend, it's a very dangerous thing, but it's also something that by God's grace, He makes possible. Not by our efforts, but by His Spirit within us. Listen, God is not God is not someone who is going to be giving out a bunch of commands that guarantees our failure. God commands that which he knows is right and good for us. Something that fulfills and completes who he has called his people to be. I, I, I believe that ultimately, if we understand the idea that holiness is not just this com, this concept that is beyond our ability to comprehend but is also a very practical way of living, then we need to start asking ourselves, then how and what does it look like in the life of someone like you and me? And there's an example given to us. It's Jesus. Jesus was holy, wasn't he? Yet if I want to know what it means to be holy, to live holy life, then it becomes a pretty simple proposition. It's to be like Jesus. To be someone who does and lives as he did. To be Christ-like. Which, by the way, is what a Christian is, isn't he? A little Christ. And if we are going to be a Christian, we need to start looking like, acting like, behaving like Jesus, Christ-like. And, and Jesus himself, I think, helped us a little bit to understand how that has lived out in practical ways. He was asked the question, what does it mean to obey the commands? What is the greatest command? And he summed it up in this very very simple thing that, again, is not new to Jesus. It was out of the scriptures, what are the two greatest commands? Thou shalt love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Thou shalt love your neighbors yourself. What is holiness? Holiness is love. Lived out in a Christ-like way. That's willing to sacrifice and give it all for the sake of our king and for the sake of our neighbor. That's beautiful. <clears throat> then why is it so rare? H have you noticed that, that there aren't very many saints around? 
Now, now I, I, the reason I use that word saint is, is that word saint in the Greek is the same word for holy. A saint is a holy one. And if I were to, to come to you and, and to say to any one of you, would you call yourself a saint? Um, just kind of curious. Anybody here say, I'm, I'm one? Probably not. Okay, because for us, the idea of saint means that we have to be this absolutely perfect person that never does anything wrong. You know, that's, that's our idea of saint. And, and, and in our, kind of our culture of the church, we pretty much have said, none of us are saints, I'm no saint, you know, that type of a thing. But, but have you ever noticed that when Paul writes his letters to the churches, what does he call them? He calls them to the saints. Even in Corinth, of all places, where they had all kinds of trouble going on. We are called to be saints. We are called to be holy. We are... Could it, could it be that maybe one of the reasons why that we behave like we do is that we fail to realize that what God calls us is saints? If I were to, to go over there and say, Tom, instead of, I, instead of calling... Tom Cook, Tom Cook, I'd say, oh, hey, St. Tom, uh, how are you doing today? Oh, brother, you know, we called each other. Do you suppose that maybe if we would start adopting the title saints for each other, we might even start acting like one? I think there's a good reason why we don't. It's because we're all a mess. We're broken. We are, we are dealing with all of the realities in which we're living in that keep messing up our efforts to be saints, to be what we know in our hearts that God has called us to be. And, and so I have I've begun to wrestle with this within my own self. You see, I... I I take pretty seriously the Word of God and, and His command to me and to you to be holy. And yet, I have to acknowledge to you that I find that my own brokenness keeps getting in the way of my holiness. Okay? And, and, and if that's true, then maybe it almost seems as though that the command to be holy is impossible. But would God command us something that by His grace He does not want to also fulfill within us? I'd like to talk just a little bit about all the ways I'm a mess. Okay? Now, maybe some of you don't quite qualify in, in this broken thing like I do, but I have recognize that I really struggle with my own brokenness. I, I can relate a lot to what the Apostle Paul wrote when he talked about um, the importance of sharing the gospel. You see, I'm, I'm here to present the gospel to you. I've got this wonderful message of the gospel. But this is, this is how Paul described what it means to take that gospel. It's found in um, 2 Corinthians verses 4, 7 to 12. But we have this treasure, the gospel, in jars of clay that, this, that to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. 
We are hard-pressed on every side, we, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. So then death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. So here it is. I've got this wonderful message, but it is being presented to you with jar, as this person that's a jar of clay. And... Uh, there's something I know about jars of clay. They break easy. Um, and when they break, it becomes a mess. So I want to dis- describe the, the areas of brokenness that I find myself struggling with. And they are the things that tend to get in the way of my holiness. Okay? And each one of these areas are going to be a focus of messages in the coming weeks. But I just want to quickly let you see all of this as a package, first of all. The, the first area of brokenness that really bothers me is the condition of my heart, my will, my desires. I want to be in charge. I want to have my way. And, and, and we in the church theologically have had a name for this. Original sin. Carnality. Okay? We, we, we recognize that by ourselves in our natural fallen condition, we are struggling with the problem of self-will. Doing and wanting our way. Okay, And that by itself pretty much eliminates the possibility in my own efforts, in my own ways of being able to fulfill this holiness thing. Okay, Because I know that to be holy means to be like Jesus, but my will and my desires always end up getting me to do the wrong stuff and to be the wrong way. And that at the very core of my brokenness, before I could even consider any other possibility of being a holy person, the condition of my heart needs transformed. Okay? The very corruptness of my nature within me. And I don't think I'm alone with that problem. Okay? It's self-centeredness, it's selfishness, it's me being in charge. Yet, the reality is, is that I am taught to pray, thy will be done. Not my will, but your will. And if, if any holiness is going to be lived out in my life, whatever, whatever these, that's where the solution has to start. And that's what our message of holiness has always been about, and that is God's grace will sanctify us within, purify us. You know what sanctify means? Holify, to make holy. It's God's work to transform the heart to change within us so that my will becomes his will, that I no longer sit at the throne of my life, but it is 
he that is a throne of my life. And, and next week I want to unpack that a little bit more. If you've been around churches of the Nazarene much, it's not going to be that much new to you because it's the old message of heartfelt sanctification, okay? And, and, and I truly believe that God is a God of grace that transforms hearts and fills us with the love of Christ where we are transformed into the likeness of Christ because He takes place within us. Okay, that my broken heart, my broken will needs God's grace to change me. But that's not my only area of brokenness that gets in the way, okay? And so there are three others that I want to mention to you. I won't take too long to say them all because each one of them gets a sermon, okay? But, but the next one is I have a real problem with my broken behaviors. No matter how hard I try, I still manage to mess up. Now, there's, this, is, this is not just the idea of me doing sinful things. This has to do with me doing things that, that, that don't, don't truly glorify God in the way that I want Him to. Sometimes I say stupid things that hurt other people. Sometimes I, I, I get angry and say things that I shouldn't say. Sometimes, even with my best efforts, it's just never good enough. My performance never reaches the level that I want it to reach. And as a result of that, not only am I dealing with the problem of needing a transformed heart, I'm also needing to get my performance up to snuff. But the problem is... No matter how hard I try, I still sometimes aim for here and hit there. And that's a problem for my holiness. I want to talk to you in that that, that next sermon about what does a person who still lives with imperfect performance do in order to maintain a holy example? I think there's a solution, okay? But it's probably not the one that many of us think it is. I won't tell you about right now. So I've got my broken desires and my broken behaviors. If you'll notice that they kind of mix together at times. The problem of my brokenness is it doesn't come in nice, neat little packages where I can just deal with one thing at a time. They have a way of getting all mixed up. You ever, you ever notice that? And I, I, I believe that if God's going to call me to be holy, He's got a solution for both of those, don't you? But that's not my only problem. My brokenness goes worse than just my broken desires and my broken performance, but also I've got my broken humanity. I, I, I still am dealing constantly with this human body, this human person that has all kinds of flaws and issues going on within it that I can never just plain get over. My humanity affects my holiness. Okay? Because, well, I want to tell you, I'll, I'll just give you a quick, quick example here. There, I'll just give a couple of examples to kind of get, can, can tell you where I'm going with this. One of the things that I deal with in my humanity is I struggle with some of my emotional health. 
And something I have struggled with my entire adult life are seasons of depression. Now, that's probably something nobody else here ever has to deal with. But I have difficulties with that. There have been times when, when the depression takes over just so hard. And I say to myself, when I'm depressed, I'm not the kind of Christian I want to be. In fact, I start saying to myself, how in the world, if I was the kind of Christian I ought to be, I shouldn't be depressed. I should be victorious all the time, and I don't feel that way. My broken humanity gets in the way of my holiness. I'll tell you, when I get sick in a cold, I don't feel very holy. Okay? There are so many ways that our humanity gets in the way of our holiness. I especially live in the midst of that now as a hospice chaplain, where 60 to 70% of my patients are in some level of dementia. And if dementia is a disqualifier for holiness... What does that say about the possibilities for holiness for that person? Isn't it true that God, by His grace, is not going to let our broken humanity destroy our ability to be a holy people? One more. One more circle. Okay, now I see my broken humanity. It fits in there and messes up the others. I've got my broken world. Every, everything around me outside of myself, which happens to be you, by the way. Okay? Um, but it also happens to be everything around me that's going wrong. Okay? H- have you ever noticed how really good it could be, how wonderful a church you could have if you didn't have any people in it? Okay, or, or have you ever noticed how many times your efforts of living a life that God calls you to do keeps getting messed up by the behavior of the people around you? But not only that, we live in a world that is filled with disasters and, and trouble and trials and financial issues. Everything, my world is a mess It's a broken world, and it's hard to be a holy person in the midst of a world that is very, very broken. So you put that all together. Put the last one up. There you got it. I got my broken desires, my broken behavior, my broken humanity, my broken world, all of this stuff. How in the world is it possible for any of us to be able to say, I want to be holy as you are holy when I've got, Lord, as when I've got, all of this brokenness messing up my holiness. But that's where we live, isn't it? Most of the time, our ideas, in order for me to be holy, is I've got to eliminate all the brokenness. I've got to fix it. Somehow or the other, I've got to no longer have any of these problems. And if I don't have any problems, then I can finally be holy. But that's not where any of us live, is it? In fact, most of us are living with an awful lot of this that's destroying us 
from being the people that God calls us to be. And here's what I believe God says to us. Let me have it. Let it be mine. And so here's what I'm going to encourage us to do over these next five weeks. Take your brokenness, whatever it is, and begin by admitting that you're broken. Stop trying to pretend and put on the masks. Stop trying to act like you're somebody or something you're not. Admit and embrace the fact that you are who you are, affected by all of the brokenness that's a part of your life. And secondly, once you've admitted it, take it all and submit it over to the Lord. Recognizing that His solution to it may not be your solution. But we are given permission. You know, it's amazing how we will take our sins and give them to the Lord. Or sometimes we'll take some aspect of our brokenness. Why don't we just take the whole mess and say, Lord, here I am. I, I am nothing in and of my, I'm nothing but a broken mess in all of these ways. Lord, I am giving myself to you just as I am. Seems like we know a song, something like that, don't we? Just as I am, without one plea. Okay. And then once we've given it to him, we let him do his thing. We don't come up with an agenda that says, Lord, this is how you deal with this. This is what you do. You know, it, it, you know it's sort of like, it be sort of like we go to the doctor and we try to tell him how to treat us. Okay. No. If we truly trust him with it, we say, Lord, now you take my brokenness and you work in it and through it as you do by your wisdom and your grace. And you know what? I think he does a pretty good job when we truly, truly trust him with us as we are. And then here's the hard part. Once we've admitted it, once we have submitted it, once we have trusted him with it, then we leave it there. We keep it in his hands. And if we'll do that by embracing our holiness, our brokenness, instead of saying, Lord, in order for me to be holy, my brokenness has to be gone. I embrace it and say, Lord, here I am, this broken mess. Now it's all yours. Holiness through brokenness. Not in spite of, not the elimination of. And it's amazing what God does and how he glorifies himself in us, in our brokenness, not in spite of it. Lord, take me. Use me. Glorify yourself in me. Let people see Jesus in me just as I am. Because in my brokenness, I come to him not in any pride or self-satisfaction. Self I do it, Lord. I'm all yours.
I believe that's a good message for us, don't you? This church has seen this brokenness going on over and over and over again lately. We are filled and are a people who are broken ourselves emotionally, spiritually, physically. And the Lord says, let me have it. Just give it to me. And I will make you holy as a broken person. Remember the most holy thing Jesus did was to sacrifice himself in our behalf. Would you pray with me, please? Lord, I just truly believe that today you have something for each and every one of us, something for me. And Lord, maybe just in some glorious, grace-filled way, you will use this broken vessel, this jar of clay called Phil Rogers. And let the message of the gospel be heard in such a way that these people who themselves are broken in so many ways, with pastors also experiencing brokenness, can recognize that we serve a God who specializes in broken people and uses them for His glory to honor Him, to let the world see that broke that holiness is often not experienced in our competency and our own personal beauty, but it is in the beauty of Christ and the presence of Christ, the Spirit of Christ within us that is able to shine through sometimes not in spite of our brokenness, but because of it. When the world sees people who are willing to be truly honest, transparent, to be truly confessing and willing to let the world see them as they are, that the world can have a hope that we serve a God whose grace is sufficient for all that we may be experiencing. Help us, Lord, to give up to let go, to trust you with all that you have for us. I pray this in your name. I've, um, I'm not real sure exactly what to do here right now because I think you know this is the beginning of a journey that's not the end. But maybe I would like to at least give some of you an invitation that says, you know what, Pastor Phil? What you've been preaching about this morning is a little bit of where I'm at, what I've been struggling with. And I realize that the, the, the journey of faith that we're on is, is one that we can begin, but we don't end until we get there. But I want to be on this journey of taking the various aspects of brokenness with which I am acknowledging and struggling and saying, Lord, I want to submit them to the power of your grace and your spirit to do in me what you want me to do.